1 John chapter 4, and I'll be reading verse 10. This is from the King James Version. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Our brother Randy Pagan is going to be bringing us this morning's message. And it's uh, no $5 words allowed. That was a little uh, correction on that bulletin. Alright, for the people that know me, realize that I keep things as simple as possible. I'll try to. Because that's the only way I can understand it. If it gets too complicated, it goes right over my head. But the reason I named the title of the sermon as I did today, No Five Dollar Words Allowed, is I think a lot of times in Christianity we have kind of like code words to where I might know what I'm saying and you might know what I'm saying. But you get somebody that's never been in church circles and they have no idea what we're talking about. And what I consider a five-dollar word is one of the big old words about that long that don't nobody know what they're talking about. And it kind of makes people... People like to use them and say... Because they think, oh, it makes me look smart. But in actuality... I think it's a way of hiding your ignorance. And I'm not, I'm not saying that people are stupid. There's a difference between stupid and ignorance. Ignorance is just you don't know something. So everybody's ignorant about something because nobody knows everything. That's just like, you know, if I walk in the room and see a horseshoe laying on the ground and I pick it up and it burned me, I just did that out of ignorance. I didn't know it was hot. But if I walk in there and I see the fella sticking it in the fire, beating on it with a hammer, and then grab it, that's not ignorance no more. <laughs> but I read a quote by Ellen White one time. I'm a firm believer, and we go by what the Bible says. But sometimes she makes a lot of points that I agree with. Or I hadn't found nothing I don't agree with yet. But that's beside the point. It says, a little girl once asked me, Are you going to speak this afternoon? No, not this afternoon, she replied. I am very sorry. The little girl said, I thought you were going to speak and asked several of my companions to come. Will you please ask the ministers to speak easy words? that we can understand. Please tell him that we do not understand big words like justification and sanctification. We don't know what they mean. The little girl's complaint contains a lesson worthy of consideration by teachers and ministers. Are there not many who would do well to heed the request? The request to speak easy words that we may know what you mean? And like I said before, you know, if I'm using a bunch of big words that you've never heard before, 
and you don't know what I'm talking about, I may as well be talking to myself. And I don't think that's, that's what it's about when you're giving a message to people. You're supposed to communicate with the people. But it's kind of like, in my opinion, the, the new preacher that came to town. All right. The first Sabbath, everybody shows up. They want to check him out and see what kind of fellow he is and if he could speak decent or not. Well, after that, they might come back and they might not. But everybody comes the first Sabbath. Well, the preacher got to town, and it was up in the northern part of the country, you know, and they had a real bad blizzard that day. And 9.30 came, didn't nobody show up. And about quarter to ten, still nobody. About 11 o'clock, finally rolled around, and there still wasn't nobody there. And the preacher was kind of getting disheartened, you know. So here I've been working on this sermon for two weeks, and don't even nobody want to come hear what i got to say. Well, about the time he was thinking that, he noticed this one old pickup pull up out in the parking lot, you know. And the old fella got out with his overalls on and come up there, you know. And they sat there, him and the pastor sat there chit-chatting for about 15, 20 minutes and still had nobody else showed up. And the pastor asked him, said, well, Benz, you're the only one here. You think I ought to still preach? And the fellow looked at him and said, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm just a farmer. But if I went out to feed the cows and been didn't but one cow show up, I'd still feed her. <laughs> so the preacher got to going, you know. And of course he kinda like a lot of preachers get to falling in love with the sound of their own voice, you know. And went on and on and on. It took him a good hour and a half to give us a message. And finally when he got through, he was working on 2 o'clock by that time, you know. And he went down and talked to the fellow again and said, Well, what did you think about my sermon? And the fellow told him again and said, Well, look, I told you, I'm not a preacher. I'm just a farmer. And if I went out to feed the cows and didn't but one show up, I'd still feed her. But I wouldn't give her the whole load. I think the when you talk, I can say this. I got a deep accent. I know. That's, I'm sure that's got a lot to do with why the sermon title was misnamed, because he didn't understand what I said. <laughs> that's like when I first married my wife. We was doing uh, what do you call it? Marriage counseling with a pastor and he was talking about could we communicate and I said well we do pretty good the only problem is she speaks valley girl and I speak redneck <laughs> but a lot of times we get these words we think we know what they mean but in actuality it might not be so that's like the just a little simple word like let let 
We think that means to allow something, right? Well, that's not what it means in, in the King James, in the old English language. But Romans 1, 3 says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was led hitherto. Well, you think, you know, if he was let, why didn't he go? But let, like I said, means to hinder. That's just like if, if you're watching TV and you're watching a tennis match over, over in Wimbledon, England, and a fellow hits the ball and hits the net on, instead of going in on, the road on the other side, the judge calls let ball. He don't say net ball, he says let ball. But if we did, can get little words like that messed up, you can imagine what we do to the big ones. But one of the big ones, I think, is righteousness. And I heard the fellow say that it can be simply stated, right doing. But the only problem with that is that... Come on, buddy. No one's righteous. Righteousness is a way of describing God. It's not a way of describing us. In actuality, I think the Bible says something about our righteousness. It says our righteousness are as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. That's what we got. That's our righteousness. Righteousness is attributed to God. Father or Son, you know, they're both God in my opinion. But the injustification. I heard it stated that it's like being put right with God. You know, it's kind of like that song I heard that time. It's talking about fellow was did something and he went to pray, was praying to God, and he repented it and confessed his sin. And then the next day, he messed up and did it again. Now they come back to God and said, God, here I am, I've done it again. And the Lord answered, see, you know, what you talking about? That you repent, con- excuse me, confessed and repented of yesterday? It's gone. So he could ask me what's sin. And then the justify is, you know, justify never sinned. And we we got a problem with that. When somebody takes a hundred dollar bill from me, I'm probably gonna remember that from now on. But I'll forgive him for it because forgiveness is for my benefit. Because 10 years down the road, he probably won't even remember that he took it. But I could have stood and fretted about it that whole 10 years and got sick and all kind of stuff. But I'm still not going to give him another $100 bill. But then, if 
Justification is being put right with God. I think sanctification is being kept right with God. And then we got that big $5 word, I call it propitiation. And I thought I knew what propitiation meant. I thought it was like, you know, say, if I forget my wife's birthday. And the last minute before I get home from work, I think about it. So I run by the flower shop and get her a dozen roses and a box of candy. I thought that was a propitiation. <laughs> you know, a way of making her not mad at me. And more or less, if that's what propitiation is, I was thinking, well, is that a way of Jesus making God not mad at us? But like I said, th- this is talking about Jesus. He's a best propitiation. So I wanted to know for sure what, what that meant. And I've got a Strong's at home. And I'm sure a bunch of you are familiar with what I'm talking about, a Strong's concordance. But some of you might not be. But it's got every word in the King James Bible. It's got it in there. And you can look it up and it'll give you the definition of it. And then it's also something real handy, I think. It's got a number beside the word. And I think it's all right. If they're italicized, it's Hebrew or Aramaic. And if they're not, it's Greek. So you can look by that number, then look up the meaning of that number and make, make sure get more of a idea of what's going on because I've always been the point you know like you can have a field out there and if you get one one post out in the center of that field you don't have no idea where the fence goes but you get two or three that line up and then you can follow the fence line and I think that's the way we've got to study the Bible we've got to get things to line up because if something if we read one verse and it seems completely out of line with all the other verses nine times out of ten it's just that we're misunderstanding it and that's real easy to do with my book but when I looked it up in the Strong's this is what I found now this is all Greek to me (laughs) you see the part I highlighted at the end said the lid of the ark in the temple, mercy seat. That's what propitiation means. It's not what I thought. So simply stated, propitiation can be a place of mercy. Because that's what's on top of the ark, ain't it? The mercy seat. So in Romans, when we read that a while ago, it can easily be stated whom God has set forth to be a place of mercy through faith in his blood. Not a way of getting God the Father not mad at us. And we got to realize that when we look at what God, how God treats people, also we got to do is look back in the Bible and see how Jesus treated people because he is God. And nobody's saying God the Father, he says. But a bunch of people saw God the Son. 
So, like I said, if we have any questions of how we're going to be treated, just look how Jesus treated people. We don't, have, we don't need to put a big difference between God the Father and God the Son because they think alike, the way I understand. But then, I heard a fellow say at one time that the gospel is real simple. It's just sometimes preachers make it complicated. He was saying it's so simple, it could be broke down into two words, come and go. You know, come to the foot of the cross and go to the rest of the world. And in Mark 16, 15, where it says, And he said unto them, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He was saying, You know, I think I'm a ye. And personally, I think we all yees. I think we all got to go and spread it. <laughs>